Hi friends, my name is Pastor Alan, and you are listening to the CGC Podcast, where your pastors get together and explore different topics to help us think through and to live out our Christian lives. If you are interested in our podcast, you should visit our website at cgcpodcast.com and subscribe to be one of the first to know when a fresh new podcast has come out. In our eighth episode of season two, Pastor Kevin and I talk about being missional to our family. We discuss topics such as what our missional obligations are to our family, how does missional living look like with believing and unbelieving family members, and what are our missional obligations to our extended family. Um, so welcome, Pastor Kevin, again for our eighth episode of uh, this podcast. And this week we're looking to look at missions to our families or mission being missional to our families. Um, so I just wanted to start off with just talking about maybe do you have any family that are non-Christians, what some of those relationships are like, and are you trying to share the gospel with them right now? Well, I'm actually the only person in my immediate family, and the only person except for maybe one or two in my vast extent of aunts and uncles and cousins who are who are Christians. It's uh, quite a varying degree. I have one brother who basically we don't see very often and anything to do with spiritual items uh, it's just shut down another brother who I, I guess he's open to light conversation as i bring it into a discussion on something but it can't pursue too far down the road uh, you can only deal with it in a, in a very superficial way mm-hmm. and then my parents are they've they've heard the gospel for years and um, we have a good relationship and I can talk to them about lots of things and about the church and, you know, they attend on and off a Baptist church in Perry Sound, but they're not saved. So it's a, a pretty good relationship there. It's just a little bit all over the place, depending on where they are exactly, right? But I'm I'm the only one. But I, I do take it seriously. It's just recognizing who at what time is more willing to talk about spiritual things and reality is that some of our family will cut spending time with you because uh you know you talk about spiritual things all the time it's not you're trying to force things but our our sights and our priorities are different yeah and also kind of gauging the timing of some of the things like um the kind of knowing where how far to go with some topics i find have been have been tricky um especially when there's like a like it's not just one person, but like if you're talking to a group, a group of mm-hmm. your family, I guess one of the issues that I share is a language barrier. Like that also creates a problem. And I, I guess something that me and Hannah have been quite sensitive to is that we just not we're just not able to articulate the gospel in my parents' foreign tongue, and neither is our English good enough for us to have a conversation in English about these things. And so we've been thinking of different ways in which we can reach out. Uh, but those are other challenges that we've been facing. Oh yeah, that would be extra hard. Yeah, but I, I get the sense that both of us have a deep burden for our, I guess, our extended family to see them reach for Christ. I, I guess part of me wonders like what that would be like if I, if my family was converted, like what that would look like. Have you ever thought about what that would feel like if you're, if you actually, let's just say like your 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 grand mission to reach your family succeeds, mm-hmm. and people all come to faith. Have you ever wondered what your family would be like if that were to happen? Uh, no, actually, and it would uh, change all the dynamics of things, but um, yeah. I, I should probably confess that there are many times in my life where I don't feel that urgency and uh, I don't feel that heavy desire. Yeah. 
they hear the gospel time and time again, whether it's very overt or you're talking about spiritual things. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is we're always aware of when conversations can be seasoned or salted with spiritual mm-hmm. truths. But because you've tried doing it for so many years, again, the urgency tends to get uh, displaced sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think that that's one that we can all kind of um, empathize with because I think that, again, you know, first couple times, like it might be out of like this adrenaline that rushes through you that you share the gospel maybe really quickly. But then over time, as you start to do it more and more, it just becomes, you know, another time that it doesn't, didn't, you know, didn't have any effect. Another time it didn't have any effect. Yeah. And it's uh, it's quite wearing. It's definitely yeah. quite wearing. Yeah. So I, I think that that's something we can definitely all understand. But I, I do think that there is a, a obligation to our family, not just to our extended, but to our immediate family to share the gospel, to be missional uh, for sure. But I find it's probably very hard sometimes because we're so comfortable with family. Um, where we feel like when we go home and we see a family, there are no obligations. There's just this kind of idea of rest. But like I said, I think there is a calling to be missional to our families. And I don't know, do you, do you share the same view that there is this calling to our families? And then what would some of that, the obligations to our families in a missional sense be? Well, I would separate them in terms of immediate family and more extended family. Like, uh, mm-hmm. so your immediate family is your your spouse and your children as opposed mm-hmm. to brothers and sisters and parents mm-hmm. because uh, you had said you come home and they're there. Well, that's not quite the reality unless it's your nuclear family. Right. So in terms of brothers and uh, uh, parents, again, it's just always seasoning um, conversations and it's not, it's not being um, Machiavellian about it. It's mm-hmm. just, your your heart is always in connection with spiritual truths or moralities and and so you're speaking into those conversations all the time right. it, when you're at home um i'm not for sure if it is the you know they're always there uh, or the comfortableness um i probably might emphasize the other side is that you know we feel under so much obligation in the world and our in our workplaces that we come mm-hmm. home and this relaxation we don't want to take on that responsibility and it's really a spiritual battle mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. It, we recognize that you know i have an obligation this is a spiritual obligation not just to them but to the lord right these are the people in my innermost circle these are the people that god has given me to reach and i i need to recognize that and just do it yeah I also find it's kind of like studying, where basically, like, uh, I've talked to other people who've ever, who've studied on their beds. How do you hmm. study in a place where you're so comfortable, right? Like, and they're like, well, for some people, it's impossible that they can't do it in a place where they feel comfortable because they're so, like, it just makes them want to go to sleep. And I suspect that, I, I like, being at home is kind of like that, too, where we've prepared our minds and bodies that this is our place of relaxation where we have complete and other, other freedom, with no obligations and therefore makes it really hard to then kind of change gears at home because in our minds, this is a place where there are, there are no obligations where I can basically unload all my armor, all of my, all my worries and cast them away and just, you know, enjoy myself at home. And that sometimes kind of comes in conflict with our responsibility to be like really light and salt at home as well. Well, in, in one sense, we have a greater responsibility at home because this is our immediate you know, a family, what the Puritans used to call uh, our, our own little church. Yeah. And so you're to lead that. 
Uh, I remember Mum Hader. Um, Shauna tells me all the time. Her mother, you know, they had eight kids in the house. They didn't have mm-hmm. a great big house. And uh, she remembers her mother always taking time out in one chair in a, in the living room just mm-hmm. to read her Bible. I, I, I'm sure it was a great fight to try to find the time and the um, engagement during that uh, those those days. But the reality was, is that commitment, just even for five to ten minutes, um, stuck out in Shauna's mind. And so I think there are things that we need to do for ourselves like that, that become examples of how we're to live. So the old adage, more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. If you see your parents doing things, then those uh, how they interact with each other, those things become second nature. Mm-hmm. So coming to this idea of responsibility and obligations, then what are some of the specific obligations uh, or responsibilities that we as parents have to our families? And what do you think missional living looks like in the context of a family who says that they're all Christians? Well, if we're talking about a nuclear family, so a husband and a wife and, and the kiddos and, and their pets, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the reality is is that the the husband, as the spiritual head of the home, is the one who needs to lay the foundation for uh, a perseverance in seeking the Lord and uh, um, just learning to worship in everyday activities in the house. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's missing because the husband is not saved, then it is incumbent upon the wife to set that uh, model before them. Uh, mm-hmm. But really, as parents, the, the prime role is to lay a spiritual foundation. We know that we know nothing we can do will bring our kids to Christ. Right. But we can lay that foundation where they can experience the grace of God during their activities, during the frustrations of life. They see how we interact and depend upon the Lord. And, and those things become the foundation, we pray, for their coming to faith and for their you know, uh, behavior later on. So I think that's so important is parents have the obligation to live out the gospel in such a manner that it is attractive and Mm -hmm. formative for the kids. Yeah, so I think that um, using some biblical text, the idea is both in word and in deed, we are trying to attract our children into the faith, uh, one by raising, raising them up that way, so speaking to them in word, um, and telling them the gospel, sharing with them uh, about why they're raised the way that they are, um, and then also in, in living it out as well, so that our children could see that what this looks like in a in a more practical sense, and how it looks like in your life, just to see that the entire your entire faith is embodied from the beginning to the end of the raising up of your children. Uh, and I, I I think the the disconnect sometimes is we'll see young couples take this very seriously and Mm -hmm. they'll have their time with their kids and they'll be very intentional but they themselves are not living out a a joyous life in christ right so there will be times when all of a sudden all the good that they've laid the foundation for is unraveled because the kids will look at them and say well you yell at mom and dad right Uh, you know you you don't treat us with with grace and mercy and Mm -hmm. so um, they see these things and they see the disconnect. So we, it's not just setting up the parameters and teaching and praying with them. Those are good. They need to see us joyfully engaged in worship in, in our family. Right. Um, and I, I guess one thing that I've, I've heard from other kids is this idea of parents being maybe, maybe too strict 
I do think that there needs to be some area of grace where you show your children to, so it's not just all law or all like uh, you need to do it as I tell you to do. But on this, on the side of parents, there needs to be a decision to be graceful to your children, to demonstrate that grace that God has demonstrated to us, to your children, and then for your children to submit willfully and joyfully to your parents um, as it's right for children to do. Mm. Um, so I think that these are obligations that not only do parents have to children, but children have to parents as well. And I think that when those two things meet together, I think that that's when you actually have a fairly wonderful family situation. Um, yeah. So that that example you just used is, you know, um, obedience and things like that. You know, you can, mm -hmm. a father can say, you need to obey me, and this is what I've said. But if they don't see a mother who is lovingly submissive when um, in, in the leading of the spirit, and mm -hmm. they don't see a, a loving husband who is caring for his wife and being submissive to her needs, then you can say, be obey and do this. I'm I'm the dad all you want. <laughs> It's yeah. not going to mean anything. Yeah, and, and I think that the larger issue that happens to the family is there's just there's a conflict that the Lord has already resolved for us, but we have chosen that we don't want that to be resolved the way that the Lord has told us, right? So it causes, like, a new set of conflicts. It creates, like, divisions and, like, issues in the family. Like, I, I've seen, like, the, the the mother and the children get together, and they they kind of bully the dad. Right. And I've seen the dad also be overbearing to the family in fear of being overthrown. Right. So there is yeah. there definitely is these power struggles that happen. And I think that to really be functional, we really have to let these power struggles die and really just flourish in the realm in which God has given to us to serve in and our families and to to do as God commands joyfully. Right. Mm. Like, I think that's the only thing I can think of. And I think there actually is a benefit to that to your family in, in the in basically resting from war with each other and really just flourishing in the, like I said, the realm that God has given to us. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that uh, there might be some families out there, like I said, that feel like, hey, all my family are already Christians. Are there still other obligations to them? And I, and I would probably say yes as well. Like, I think that we still have an obligation to continue to demonstrate that, to continue to, to share the gospel with them, to show them, to treat them as brothers and uh, sisters in Christ, and to love them as the Lord loved us. So I, I, I still think there are there are still missional responsibilities to oh, our yeah. family, especially when other people watch you too, right? Like, I think one thing that I'm really, uh, really looking to do is to invite more non-Christians to my house, because I want them to see what, what a Christian family looks like. Because mm -hmm. I'm willing to bet, and I know for certain that most of their families are not like mine. Right. And I, I'm really excited to do that because I can show them how all of this kind of fits together, works together and how our faith being the middle or the center actually has this really powerful effect of people like seeing us. Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, no, um, nothing much to add, except that you're right. I, I would probably say that our filial relationships are those that are always going to be there. And it's very rare that someone would cut you off as being their brother and sister. Mm -hmm. So that is a permanent bond that we all feel. It's not the same when we have friends. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be stages in their life when friendships will die or change. Mm -hmm. But as a brother or as a sister, you will always at some point have an in and an intimacy uh, with that person that uh, almost no one else will have. Mm -hmm. And uh, they will come to you to receive even just that filial love, but they will mm -hmm. see then a greater obligation on our part. 
in in showing grace and mercy and speaking and listening and encouraging them. Uh, speaking challenging words um, can even be better received. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, in terms of our family, yeah, uh, it's just how you love your kids, how you raise them, how you look after your pets, you know, all of these yeah. things just demonstrate. It, it's a small thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's how you live in terms of uh, of the world's demands and frustrations upon you, how quickly you move towards grace instead of getting fired up at them. Do you, uh, you know, deal with the heart issues? Do they see these things going on? Uh, it's a, a definitely a different worldview and perspective that we need to open up to others. And that's challenging because we know we're not perfect. <laughs> and, and, you know, we don't want to show our imperfect parenting skills. But uh, that's the place where they need to be able to uh, to see into our life very, very little, little more transparently that um, we're doing our best and we're, we're open to growing in, in our understanding of what the word wants from us. Right. I often find that um, for many of my friends who are non-Christians, they're often not so much focused on what does your best look like, but what does it look like at the most imperfect times? And I think that that tends to catch people's attention the most. Mm. Like, how do you deal with moments where it's not ideal, it's not good, that these situations are not, um, they would really do something about these situations. And um, I really find that it's really in in those imperfect moments that you really demonstrate the gospel the most. Yeah, we we then throw ourselves on the grace and the mercy of God and Mm -hmm. trust sovereignty. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But on the pets thing, I thought I was laughing because I I was just thinking recently that I find that like when people look at your pets, people care almost more about how you treat your pets and how you treat your kids. Like you could almost be crummy to your kids, but if you treat your pets well, like people will still be okay (laughs) with that, which which I think is a really funny thing. And it really just goes to show that like even to um these animals in which are now part of our care um even to that like people are still watching like if if you care if you don't care about your pets i mean people care about that like people take that personally it it's something that is believe it or not on the forefront of my mind because uh i answer my phone all the time pastor kevin right Mm -hmm. so uh two days ago i went to the vet i stood Mm -hmm. in the uh in the parking lot i phoned in to let them know I was there. Then they call back out and I answer Pastor Kevin and they say, well, we can, you can come in now. My time in that hour with them was to discuss when we can put down our dog, Jack. Oh no. Because he's just gotten to the point where he's, he's, you know, insulin diabetic. He is Mm -hmm. almost blind. He's got heart murmur. He's got dysplasia. He's got a whole bunch of things going on. And he's 14. So right. I maybe just, you should put that into context for dog years, like what that what that's kind of like. For, uh, well, we're talking 80s. <laughs> right, right. Thanks. So Thanks for us, for, for us non-dog people. Yeah. I, I In the parking lot, I just answered the phone. Hi, it's Pastor Kevin. And then they usher me into the building. How they receive me, even in that exact moment, is in part reflected on what they think a pastor is. And that's quite a challenge. Even if you just think about yourself as a Christian, if you were if you had to answer your the phone all the time, uh, hello, follower of Christ, Pastor Allen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you you associate that all the time, and so for me, just that reality of of pet care right now is coming to a crucial. 
how quickly are we willing to put him down when suffering? What does suffering mean? Right. What is a quality of life? Um, these are issues that they need to hear about, not for pets, but in terms of the difference between pets and humans. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like, especially with the with, with going to the vet, it really, as you're talking about these things, it really shows or tells people what you actually care about. Yes. Right. Like, I think that's a, that's a big one that people want to know. Like, are you putting down your pet because it's, you know, like, because you don't want to live with, you know, this reality? Like, are you putting down your or pet too because... Much, too expensive every month? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or that the, because you're not willing to invest? Was it really because of, like you said, quality of life? Like, these are all things that as you talk to other people about, they're listening to what the reasoning behind you making your, these decisions are. And so exactly. I think that this is also another way, like you said, that is important in our missionality or how we live missionally as a family. Amen. Now, I'm sure there are people in our congregation who probably have children who either they believe are non-Christians or the children have professed very clearly that are non-Christians. I think it could be a challenge to share the gospel with them, but is there any advice that you would give to maybe some of our parents about sharing the gospel to children who they believe are not Christians, uh, who are who have been churched, uh, who, are, who have been in the church, and children who profess to not be Christians, though they've been in the church? One of the things that we should be doing with our kids right from square one is always dealing with issues, whether they're actions or words or attitudes, from a heart basis instead of saying, well, why did you hit your brother? Mm -hmm. you, you ask the question, well, you know, what was in your heart? What were your feelings that brought this about? And so they start dealing not with the outward actions of sin itself, but the root of sin. Mm -hmm. um, and I think later on, as, as they get older, this becomes the most fruitful uh, ability for us. Mm -hmm. Because when we come to them, they, they realize that we're not condemning the action per se. We're, we're saying, you know, how are you feeling? What was mm -hmm. going on in, in your thoughts? Um, with those who have made a profession of faith, who are not walking with the Lord, it's much easier to come to them repeatedly with a motherly care or a fatherly care and say, well, uh, what was going on in your thoughts when that was going on? But you should also just ask questions like, um, you know, what, how do you think this would uh, square up with what, what, you know, you've learned over the years about Jesus mm -hmm. um, and what the Word of God says? But I, I think it's important that we focus on these attitudes uh, as opposed to the outward manifestations. And I think that does give us a, a greater uh, a fruitfulness in, later in life. Because you can ask, you know, well, you're fighting with me right now about going to church. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what do you think? What's your, what's your thinking? What's your attitude towards God? How does that change now? Mm -hmm. I find... Um... And maybe I'm opening up the floodgates here, but I think just having conversations with um, your children who are non-Christians is actually helpful, right? I think that part of the idea is that you want to understand their thinking, but it also number one is it helps you better to better maybe connect with where they're at and understand them better. But number two is that they might have some things that they just haven't been able to share, right? They haven't been able to talk about what you can deal with. Now maybe mm -hmm. this is opening the floodgates because some kids just start might start going off and telling you how bad your parenting is or how unhappy they are at home. I guess you're going to have to receive some of that. Not that it's right, necessarily always right, but I mean, I mean if we really want to reach them, we have to allow them to have that conversation and 
if they can't share openly, um, it might be really hard to really share the gospel in any meaningful way oh, yeah. uh, up to that point. Yeah. It, it, your kids are going to know your faults as as much as almost anybody. Yeah. They're going to know your duplicity. You know, you're on the phone talking to someone and, and you're you're spending tons of time caring for them. Uh, is there somebody in the church and yet you don't have time for them in the family and going out? So you need to allow them to be frank about um, the shortcomings that that you have and just say, you know, I understand and thank you. I, I, I want to pray with you about this right now because I know I haven't been uh, as good a father in this area as I should have. Yeah, and it's it's actually like so. I guess for for people who are listening, like this is not just like a congregant level problem, but it's actually an issue that I think that a lot of pastors struggle with, right? That like there are just there are going to be breakdowns in their own life, and you always wonder how is that going to affect your kids about how they think of the faith, considering that you're in a position of authority, and yet sometimes you make mistakes like that. You know what I mean? Like it, it this, yep. there definitely is still that. I, I don't know. Like it seems like for me, like I'm 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 worried. Not worried. I, there there definitely are some questions that I have about. You know, what are some of my behavioral tics that maybe I don't even see? How are they going to affect, like, Constance, who's my daughter? How are they going to affect her view of, like, our collective faith? Mm-hmm. And I, I really wonder about that a lot. Well, I think part of the reality is that uh, as pastors, we are always giving emotionally. It's not just the ministry itself, but it's the mm-hmm. emotional engagement behind it all the time and always being there. And so being at home, it's very easy over the years to, in thinking that this is your, your respite, your, your quiet time, um, that you don't have the EQ or the emotional quotient for the, your family. Right, you, right, you easily right. give it in ministry. That's what God's called you to. And you come home and you don't have it for your family. And that's especially true, I think, for us who have not been raised in a Christian home. All right, all right. Because we don't have the, the the disciplines and the habits or been trained up in the, the ways of righteousness. Um, and so it, pastors, um, we can really struggle with this. Yeah, I was reading um, an account by another pastor. I think it might have been Ray Ortland or another pastor who talked about um, that he just wasn't giving a lot of a, like this, this emotional availability to their, his family. And so he actually went to make that change mm-hmm. uh, in his own family and to, to be more engaged at home with both his wife and his kids. Yep. And it had, he, I think it, he wrote that he it actually had quite a, a significant impact on his family. And I completely resonate with that because I feel like uh, you're putting a ton of energy into all these different ministries of the church, but you don't want to be, you don't want your family to be the one of the last vestiges of all your energy. No. That's where it goes. Like you mm-hmm. definitely don't want that, and I and I would no. and I picture that's true for uh, all of our people who are listening, who are part of our congregation, right? Like you don't want your family to be the, like to get the, like the last scraps right. of what got yes. left. And if that's the case, then we really have to rethink what our life is focused on and what our goals are, uh, because I really don't want to do that. I really don't want to have my have my daughter come back to me one day and it's like I felt like all I had of you was the last of what you had during mm-hmm. the day. Whereas, like, I was your primary responsibility. I never want that to ever be, like, the conversation we would ever have to have. Yeah, that's good. So I, I also think there's a question about um, also realizing that there are differences as children age and also differences between gender, I think, as well, um, and maturity as children's age about how we are missional and how we share the gospel with our kids. Um, do you have any thoughts about that topic, Pastor Kevin, about like, is being there, is, do we need to change? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, being missional, we've just defined as, for the church, as 
you know, taking every opportunity and seizing it for Christ. Mm -hmm. In that sense, it's always just being aware of the situation and the circumstance you find yourself in. So it changes according to the the person, the context, and it that's just the very nature of it. Yeah. Personally speaking, I found that this is actually a hard one to answer because I think that it requires us to be uh, more aware of where our kids are at and their their situation. So like, I think for myself, I think one of the things that, I, that were difficult for me was that my parents are trying to always treat me like I was six, like even when I was like 12 and 15 and even into my, my, my later teens and even my twenties sometimes, like it felt like my parents are still treating me like I was very much like I was still like six years old or eight years old where the same terminology, the same methods of discipline, the same like communication style was all kind of the same. So I guess from my end, like, there was just a disconnect with, yeah, just like they're thinking about what this relationship should look like and how I thought about that, that as well. Well, I think all of us realize that our relationship with our kids, especially, will change as they get older. There are times when we need to be more directive, you know, even in terms of discipline. Um, those things change as they get older. And the intent is to produce as much as we can children who honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. So as they begin to uh, understand biblical truth, as they begin to understand their heart, their attitudes, you come at it in a different way, and our relationship will change as one who is being very much more um, directive, as I said, as opposed mm-hmm. to allowing them to engage and make decisions based on their understanding and, and giving advice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even letting them fail. Uh, unfortunately, right. I think that the reality that you feel or have felt is, and you're going to fall into that same problem too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm fully prepared, prepared for that one. Most most of us will treat our kids as um, very loving and want to direct things, at least for a while into their 20s, until at some point when we see them standing on their own with a family, with a job after they moved out. But even then, there will always be vestiges. This is the child that I held when they had uh, cholera or couldn't it sleep at night. And mm-hmm. and. and that will be there and will come out sometimes, but it should change to the reality of having been able to be an influence in the development uh, of this person spiritually, physically, emotionally, rejoicing in what God is doing in their life and grieving with them under the challenges. A relationship will change, and yet there will always be a little bit of this. This is my little girl. Right, right. Um, and, and I think the important thing there is just don't shy away from hard conversations to have with your children. Um, and as they get older, I think that one thing it allows us to do is to be more more nuanced and more talk bigger about things in our faith that you just couldn't do as you're, when you're young. Like oh, yeah. Especially when we talk about the gospel, this gospel, like your gospel presentation when they're um, like four or six should not be the same way you express the gospel when they're like 16 or 20. And I, exactly. and I think it, the same is true of sexuality and yeah, marriage yeah. and everything else. Yeah, I, I, we, that's a that's a conversation that we've been thinking about. So I think that like I was telling some of my friends this that like all the big conversations I've had were never with my own parents, but with with my friends' parents. Like my friends' <laughs> parents, somehow I, I would always end up being there when their parents were telling them about you know some kind of major like the birds and the bees talk or like um, <laughs> you know, those kind of conversations always happened with somebody else's parents, not my own. 
And um, I, you know, I definitely appreciated those conversations because it really told me that hey, this thing, this this matters. I'm we're we're telling you we're telling you this because we think that it matters to you and it's going to impact your life. And so I yeah. think that those conversations have always been helpful. And I think that that should be the way that we think of our own kids that we should be willing to have these hard conversations because. Personally speaking, I, I want to be the first one to tell them that. I want to be the first one on the scene to share these hard things with them so that it gives them a framework to work off of, whereas the, the person who might be sharing with them that it's not you may not give them the framework to kind of work off some of these things. Well, and it's that's not a just huge framework. Thing. It's just giving them wrong understandings and unbiblical yeah, sure. perspectives. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, yeah, I would say part of being missional is to to adapt to your children where they're at in their life, both yep. – even male and female. And, you know, as they get older, you can have much more robust conversations and they should be more, much more robust as they get older. Yeah. Um, so I guess my last question today is just about more of our extended family. Cause I think we talked a lot about our, our immediate family. Um, and are there other ways in which we can be maybe more missional to our parents or what is our obligation to our own extended family? And especially like, what if they, if, if our family has like a, has had a bad history of other Christians and it's a roadblock for them to hearing the gospel. Well, I think there's a slight difference probably in uh, understanding our relationship to our parents as, a, as to our brothers or sisters, mm-hmm. because I think, I believe that there's a, a biblical commitment there that uh, in their waning years, it is our responsibility to care for them. And it's you know always our responsibility to honor them. Right. Where as a brother and sister, um, there is more of a parity but as they make worldly decisions, we have less impact into their life. And, you know, they, they've made the, the evil choice to do something. Well, there's not much you can do about it. Right, right. However, yeah, definitely... you, you're always there waiting for opportunities to speak into situations in their life. Yes. Right. So, I, like, I think that, yeah, like you said, that the family, depending on if they're either un, under our care there definitely is a different calling or different responsibility depending on um, how that family relates to you. So, for instance, if it's your immediate family, like your children and your your wife or your husband, uh, there are very specific obligations there that the Bible gives about what are calling us to them to be missional. And then with our immediate family, there actually are responsibilities that were given there that are Christian in nature, but it's not the same as those to our immediate family. Well, I like the terminology you use that are under our care. Mm-hmm. Because I think the reality is if if my brother becomes a quadriplegic and he needs to live with us, then that relationship has changed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, must the obligations as well. If he's going to be under our house, then right. um, in terms of our physical care, there must be more spiritual care. I think mm-hmm. that's a, a great word under our obligation. I never thought our- of it that way. I, I never thought of it that, that, that way. That's actually a really, really interesting point that that there will be situations where people come under your care and that changes the nature of your not just your physical relationship to them but your spiritual relationship to them oh man oh that's that's super interesting so i I don't know about you but i have like i have family that has had some bad history with christians in our own household Mm -hmm. um and that's i think that's created a new barrier personally speaking between not just the language barrier but the just having that conversation uh do you have any advice for me or for other people who have had family that have had bad experiences with christian about how to how do you now get the gospel conversation going? Well, I remember in Huntsville when we moved up there, so I was probably only around 12. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a neighbor that backed onto our backyard, they were Baptist. And uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, something happened and 
my dad wasn't very happy about it. I, I think that in his mind, they were acting, I, I'm not going to say immorally, but definitely crossing, starting to cross the border, what he thought was was good. My dad's a uh-huh. good moral man. And I right. don't think that couple, the older couple, thought what they were doing um, what would be considered wrong. And that's, you know, part of our problem is that we always don't think about our actions, whether they're actually godly and and, and God-honoring. So whatever right. happened, it created this barrier. And so every once in a while, that comes up with my parents. Mm-hmm. However, they are now going, attending uh, irregularly at Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. So I, I think part of it is simply the being... Uh, in close proximity and seeing what a living faith is supposed to be like, that's the mm-hmm. only way it's going to knock down barriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, you may be able to say, you know, we're, we're all hypocrites. Um, there are going to be things in my life, either things you know in my life that that don't line up perfectly. And we recognize that uh, as, a, as a church family, we're not perfect. So we're, we want to help each other in these ways. Mm-hmm. So um, recognizing imperfection, saying that uh, our desire is to grow in that, to not you know stay where we are, and just in the in the proximity over time, the the change in your attitudes and your commitment to these things, knowing what a living faith is supposed to be like, will eventually uh, change the reality or change the circumstances for which you can actually speak even more directly about the gospel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super helpful. Um, so yeah, Pastor Kevin, I want to thank you so much today for talking to us um, a little bit about mission, the mission to our families, or to have uh, this question of being a missional in our families. Yeah, is there any final words you want to leave with us today, or any final thoughts you want to leave with us today? Uh, I would just say be persevering and take the long view. Don't expect miracles overnight. Um, keep praying, keep being insistent, and just little by little, uh, rejoice in in the uh, the wins that God shows, and that's all we're called to do. Ultimately, in the, in the long run, salvation is of the Lord, and we are to uh, give Him the glory for for everything. So just um, don't get yourself tied up in knots too much. Just be persistent and and loving of the Lord. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Kevin, today for talking to us on this topic, and I hope the, our listeners have a great day. And thank you very much again. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. 